So we've been talking as a church about what we believe, about different pieces of doctrine in the Bible. And I'd like to uh, just do the intro on this piece on today, and that is what we believe about the church. So, how do you know what people believe about something? I'm going to mute this for just a moment. How do you know what people actually believe about something? Um, as it has been stated, lips can say anything, right? A person can treat you one way and say, I feel about you another way. That happens all the time. But how do you know what a person actually believes? Actions. So you got to watch what they do. You got to see if it matches what they say. Okay. So actions, yep. Um, that's how you tell what a person really believes. And so if we looked at the actions of ourselves, if I looked at my actions, if you looked at your own personal actions, what are the actions telling us about what we believe about the church? Anybody want to take a stab at it? And so what are, what are those things telling us about what we believe? And I agree with both of you, and I appreciate the feedback. But my question is this. Those things that we're talking about, uh, what do our actions say as we live those out? That you're a willing worker? That you believe in what you're doing? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, and so when we look at all of our actions, it's saying the same thing about every person. Okay. Say that again. Are your actions godly actions? Okay. You can't? Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? 
What does that tell us? A little bit louder if you would. Okay. I think you're saying some good stuff, but I think everybody missed it. Would you mind repeating a little bit louder? Okay. Anybody else? Did we miss anybody? Okay, and how does that tell us what they believe about the church? Okay. Gotcha. I appreciate the input. So what we believe about the church, tell me if any of this is different than what you believe. Number one, we believe that the church is the only body. That it's the only body that God has on the planet. Um, do you believe that? Because some would say, I'm not sure about that because, you know, we do have the Jewish community and in the Old Testament, they were the entity that God always worked through and they're still a Jewish nation, they're still Jewish people, they're still a Jewish religion who are not a part of the church. Um, is that your belief that the church is only one, that the church is the only body that God has on the planet? Or would you make an exception to that? What do y'all think? Hmm? Okay, so there's the church, and what are the other bodies? The state, and so the state is the, is the body of Christ on the earth? Okay. And so what we're saying here is the church is the only 
body that represents God, that he is the only body that the Lord Jesus Christ has, um, that would be the church. Agree? Or are there exceptions? Okay. Um, so what about the Jews? What do we teach about that? What we teach about that is what? That God calls them to be a part of the church. Are there Jews? Is there a Jewish nation? Yes. And what God calls them to do is to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls them to be a part of the church, just like he calls anybody else to be a part of the church. And so there's only one body that God has on the earth, and that's the church. That's why he said to us, you're the salt, you're the light, you're the messenger. What he says to us is, you're it. He never said to the Jewish nation, I'm leaving and now I need you to carry on the work. He only said that to the Christian church, to believers. So what that means is that if there's only one body, if there's only one representative of God on the earth, what that means is that it's got to be the highest priority. It's got to be the most important entity that is in the world. You all agree or disagree? I believe the church is the highest priority in terms of who's the body of Christ. So the body has a purpose. It is a purpose that has been defined by God himself. It's not one that we can make up. It's not one where there is flexibility. It's not one where we can be creative. Uh, the Bible teaches that the church has a purpose. True or not true, that it has a predefined purpose and we don't get to weigh in on what the purpose of the church is. True? Well, I'm the pastor, so I should be able to determine what the purpose of the church is, right? No. I only get to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has said we are to do and be. So me being the pastor uh, doesn't give me any authority about determining the purpose of the church because Christ has already decided the church is my body, my bride, and here's my purpose for the church. I created the church. It's mine, and I define it, and I give it its purpose. So if someone would say to you, so, so, so what's the big deal about the church? I mean, What's the purpose? What's it for? What, what does the church do? Why do we need the church? Why can't we just get rid of church and religion and just live our lives and just enjoy the creation of God and his blessing? Uh, why do we need the church? 
What's the purpose of the church? What's the reason that there is such a thing as a church? What would you say to them? Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Why do we need the church? What's his purpose? What, what does it do? What's the function? You're just copying off Felix. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate it. I appreciate the input. So, would you agree with me that the church has a threefold purpose? Uh, is there anything else that you can add to this? Is there anything else where you say, oh, there's a function that the church has that you have not included in this threefold purpose that is listed here under A? I believe the Bible teaches that our highest priority as a church is the worship of our Creator. I believe the second highest priority is the inreach, which is the strengthening, the building of the believers, that we encourage and counsel and fellowship and assist, that we have to build each other up to help each other mature, to be healthy, to be blessed. And I believe I can very easily uh, demonstrate that from Scripture. And I believe that our third priority has to be that we have outreach, that we reach those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have programs and ministries, that we have means and methodologies of reaching people who don't know the Lord. So why would we put them in that order of priority? Why would we do that? Somebody help me out. Why, would, why is that the right priority? Why is it that evangelism is not our highest priority? Why is it that evangelism is not our second highest priority? Why this? Why this? But we're going to try to do that no matter what the order of these are, no matter what the parties are. We're going to try to reach a lot of people. Why is it that the priorities have to be in this order? Like what? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So does that click with you all that if we're not healthy as a church body that we're not going to even do outreach? Okay. Carnal Christians aren't trying to win anybody. Carnal Christians are focused on themselves. They're just concerned about my bills, my job, my health, my desires, um, 
my happiness. So why is it that worship is the most important thing? It's because God is the most important thing in the universe. He's the most important person. There's no bigger cause. And so our number one priority is him. And uh, strengthening the church, that's the second priority. Because it's only mature believers, only spiritual-minded people who are even going to try to reach the lost. And uh, who misspelled outreach? Bad secretary. <laughs> Yep, I type my own stuff. But um, outreach, yes, uh, that's the only reason that God needs us to be physically here on the planet. We're going to encourage and fellowship each other and, and all of that for all eternity. We're going to be building each other up and just loving on each other. Uh, we're going to be worshiping God all throughout eternity and just enjoying his presence and fellowshipping with him and seeing him face to face and sharing meals with him and, and all kinds of good stuff. But the only thing that we have to physically be here in this world for is the evangelism piece. Why can't we evangelize in heaven? Because we'll have no contact with sinners when we're in heaven. And at some point, um, this program down here on earth, it will be forever closed. All the opportunity for somebody to be saved will be gone, and they will be in their eternal lostness if they're not reached. And so the only opportunity, the only time window is here and now. Here and now. So what other purpose does the church have that we haven't talked about? What else should the church be doing that we haven't talked about? Anything that we're leaving out? Anything that we're missing? Everything I read in scripture tells me that this is our threefold mission, that there's nothing else. Uh, often churches get diverted to other stuff. Like, for instance, there are some churches who believe that it's a part of our mission to um, have stewardship over the environment. That we're supposed to get involved in things like saving the planet. Uh, I think that God calls us to be stewards, but not as a mission. Uh, that's just as a normal, regular part of our lives that we don't trash uh, the planet. So, the church is a body is that important or is, is, is that important to know or that's just another fact? The church is a body. Is that important to know? 
Why? Okay. Okay. Any other reason it's important to know that the church is actually a body? It's important for us to know that the church is a living, breathing organism. As a living organism, you can be alive, you can get sick, you can die and cease to exist. And there are local church bodies who do that. They get diseased and nobody takes care of the disease and that local body dies. And so a part of the body of Christ gets compromised. Um, it's important for us to know that the church is a body, a living organism, so that we can think in terms of the body has needs. There are things that make a body healthy. There are things that make a body vibrant. There are things that will help a body to mature. And so it's important for us to think in those terms. It's important for us to, to think in terms of, hang on a second, I'm a part of that body. And I can bring my own infections to the body. I can bring my own healing to the body. And so as members of the body, we're part of the reason that the body is healthy or that the body is unhealthy. And so we must understand that the body is not just an, that, that the church is not just an organization. It's not just some corporation, some business. No, it's actually a living, breathing entity. It's a body. That's an important distinction. So, do you find it strange or weird that the body would have a head attached to it? I would find it weird if the body did not have a head. If God just said to us, hey, go do your thing because you're it. But that's not what he says. What he says is, Hang on a second, you're a body, but you have a head. And if you have something else running your body instead of your head, are you okay? What if your right foot was in charge and your right foot made all your decisions? What if your eyes made your decisions? And so we have a head over this body, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, I'm the one who is in charge. I'm the one who makes the decisions. I'm the one who gives leadership and purpose and gives the marching orders to the church. There are a lot of churches who are voting on what's our purpose. There are a lot of churches who are making a decision on what are we going to do as a church, how are we going to be. There are lots of churches who are defining themselves, totally ignoring the head and 
by their actions, they are saying to the head, we don't need you, we don't want you. We don't get to decide. There's a head, and we must follow the head. So, another reason it's important to know that the church is a body is because we're members of that body. Does your physical body have members? Are you glad that your body has members? <laughs> Would you be okay if there were no members, there was just a head? Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if you had only half your members? Okay, good. So what if we have members, but they don't function? What if you have members, but they're paralyzed? You got all the members, but man, this arm <laughs> just doesn't work. This leg, it doesn't work. These eyes, they don't work. These ears, they don't work. This tongue, it doesn't work. Is it enough to just have members if the members don't do anything? So if we said to you, um, pick one of your members, hand, foot, eye, whatever it is. Just pick one and uh, we want you to just donate that to somebody else today. Which member would you pick? Oh, I only need one kidney. I can get by with one lung. I can let you have an ear. I can let you have one eye. I can let you have one hand, one foot. Is there anybody who would say, yep, I would do that in a heartbeat, wouldn't think twice about it. It would be no big deal for me to just give up just one hand or one foot. Like, sign me up right now. Anybody would sign up to do that? Like, yep, I'll, I'll be, an, I'll be a, an organ donor like right now. If it won't kill me, just cripple me, yep, I'll do it right now. Anybody, anybody want to sign up for that? Nobody? Some of you are not in athletics. It's not like you can't get by with like one lung. <laughs> and you still don't want to do it. Uh, and I understand why, and that is because um, the body has members, those are, the, those are the workers of the body, and every member has a needful purpose. Uh, as doctors learn more about the body, they um, want to cut off fewer pieces of the body. There were times when the doctor would say about tonsils, ah, just rip them out. They're getting their tonsils infected, just rip them out. 
because they don't have a purpose in a way. They're, they're just a vestigial organ. It's just a vestige of something that we needed in the past before we became so evolved. And they figured out, man, if you can save those tonsils, you sure need to do that. That appendix, uh, not looking that good, just rip it out. And as medical technology advances, they understand more and more, uh, yeah, we need that. And science is still catching up. Um, according to science, uh, you don't use your whole brain anyway, and so you don't really need the whole brain. Like, ah. Uh, <laughs> Not willing to give up any of that. So it is in the body of Christ. Um, every member is there because it's needed. You know how I know that every part of my body is needed? Do you know how I know? Here's what settles it for me. My body was put together by a perfect God. There was not some committee that said, let's put this in the body and that in the body and, you know, we can leave these parts out and, no. Um, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That it was God who decided to design our bodies the way that they are designed. And he put in our body everything for a purpose. And there is not a piece of you that has no purpose. People sometimes will say stuff like, well, you know, like skin. Does it seem like that's all that important part of your body? Uh-huh. Get rid of it and you'll be dead in no time. Because you'll be infected by everything that comes along. And so, not only does every piece of our body have a purpose, it has an important purpose. It has an important purpose. And we'll look at that in Scripture. So, Tell me your opinion on this. This is what I believe about the church. Tell me if you agree. Tell me if there's something you'd like to um, discuss, question, uh, you have doubts about, and, and that's okay. Because I believe that we can allow Scripture to settle our discussions. So this is what I see in the New Testament. What is, what's the first thing you notice in the first box? 
leadership, but what do you notice about it? Yeah, but give me more than the obvious. What do you notice beyond the obvious? Yeah. Yes. In other words, the New Testament model is there's a plurality of leadership. It's not one person where it's like, okay, I'm the person and everybody uh, follow me. That is not the New Testament model. The New Testament model is, yes, there's a pastor, there's a chief spokesman, but they're surrounded by other people of the same caliber and on the same level. Um, when I took over as pastor, this is not the model that the church followed. The model was, we have a pastor and everybody else um, sort of rolls underneath that level of accountability. In the New Testament, not so. And that's not something that developed over time. You see it right in the book of Acts, in the earliest days of the church, there was a plurality of leadership. And uh, I haven't mentioned any scripture yet, have I? And, and, and the scripture just pops into my mind, and we'll look at scripture, but this is just introductory, just introducing this to you. But if you want to see the plurality of leadership, just go to Acts chapter 15 and you'll see it. So we also see that there were people in place to do these three categories, this threefold mission. When it comes to worship, the celebration of our God, That was a church function. It is an office that someone would fill in the New Testament. When it comes to inreach, in other words, caring for the body, again, that was something that would be filled by members within the church. And the same thing when it comes to outreach. That was something where there would be people in the church who were appointed, this is your assignment. And whenever God gives us an, an assignment, he's giving us an assignment for two reasons. Number one, to carry out the task, make sure the task is done. And number two, to grow that task. Whenever we see God talking about responsibility, he also talks about the growth of that responsibility. He never wants to hand us one talent, in other words, one resource, and that's all that we have at the end of the day is just that one resource, and we're still in the same place where we were five years ago, 10 years ago. God always wants us Whatever responsibility we take, that we take it with a mindset that God expects me to, number one, to do this well, and number two, to grow this, to improve it in some way. 
So what about this piece down here? Flexibility is allowed in the how-to. Is that a true statement or is that a false statement? Do you agree with that or do you disagree with that? That there's some flexibility that God does give to local congregations in terms of the how-to. What do y'all say? You say yes? What in the Bible would say that say yes? So, so those things are in the Bible, but what says that they are flexible in the Bible? <laughs> Help us out, Sabrina. Help your sister out, Sabrina. She needs, she needs help. Yeah, but you haven't talked to me about Bible yet. Ooh, look at you. So how do we know there's flexibility? Because the Bible doesn't give us the how-to. That's how we know there's flexibility. That's my sister, y'all. <laughs> Where in the Bible does it tell us what time church starts? Where does it tell us how many songs to sing? Where does it tell us to use a country theme or a hip-hop theme? Where in the Bible does it cover that kind of stuff? It doesn't. Where in the Bible does it tell us how long the church service is supposed to be? Where in the Bible does it tell us which order to put in the sermon versus the praise and worship versus the offering? What point in the service to do the communion? It doesn't. It doesn't. Good. So this, this piece right here, this is something that we have to deal with, not just as church members. We've got to deal with this as children of God. We've got to deal with this as people who are going to stand before God and be judged. Our lives are literally going to be judged. Uh, did you work for me? Did you grow the kingdom for me? Uh, were you obedient as a servant? Or did you just totally defy me as a servant? Um, did you just blow me off because you had other stuff that was more important than I am? Um, were you so arrogant that you didn't feel like you needed to serve. So here's some things that we can't use with God to say, well, God, I know I'm a member, I know I'm needful, but let me explain. Um, let me explain to you. 
When it comes to my abilities, I just don't have the abilities. Uh, I would love to do something, but I, I just don't. I just don't have like anything I can contribute. My my abilities, my my, my giftedness. God says, uh-uh, liar, liar, and your pants are <laughs> on fire." Because what God says is that he gives giftedness to every one of his children. If you say to God, God, I don't have the ability, what you're saying is, God, I'm not saved. Uh, My problem is my availability. God, I want to serve, I just don't have the availability. Well, what's wrong with that? Help me out. What's wrong with that? Huh? You have to make time? Okay. So my availability, uh, that's about priority, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever is my first priority, that's what I'm available for. So when I was in the Navy, I decided that I was going to get married, and I asked my sweetie pie if she would marry me, And she said, yes, and I wanted to have some extra money coming up to the wedding because, you know, the military, they don't pay you all that great, right? And so I decided I would get a part-time job to just, you know, store some extra cash and get a better ring and, you know, know, that sort of stuff. Um, And so I, I decided that I would work for Armadillo Pizza, I would deliver pizza in the evenings after work. Do you know what I did not do? I never said to the U.S. Navy, you need me on watch tonight? (laughs) I'm not available. Why? Because I signed on the dotted line that the U.S. Navy would be my number one priority. And I could not say, well, you know, I got to work. Uh, Armadillo Pizza does need me tonight. Uh, the reason I never use that is because of my priorities. I can't say to the Navy, you got to work, because the Navy would say, you sure do, and we're your number one work. This is your number one job. My family situation, whatever that means, I just, I just got to get my family situation right. So what I see in scripture, uh, Jesus says, if your family is the issue, you're not worthy of me. If you think your family is more more important than I am, uh, you didn't make a lordship decision when you supposedly got saved and you're not worthy of me. What about this? My interest level, uh, I don't mind working for God, but I just don't know of anything that I'd be interested in doing. If we were talking about uh, recreation, then yeah, you could, you could say that, but this is not about recreation. This is not about our personal enjoyment. This is about us serving the King of Kings. There are things on my job I enjoy doing. There are things on my job I have no interest in doing, and why do I do it? Because 
That's my duty. So it is in the kingdom. Uh, not everything that I do for God do I have an interest in doing. There are some things I have no interest in doing. But here's the other thing about interest. Interest is relative. How many of you uh, have interest in like diaper changing? Any interest in that? How many of you have changed diapers? <laughs> How many of you have changed diapers and didn't enjoy a minute of it, a second of it? Yeah. It's not about interest. It's because we value the individual. I'll do things for people that are not interesting because of my commitment, my love for them. I uh, went to three Sam's Clubs yesterday. Guess who I was with? Yeah, you know, don't you? Am I that interested in Sam's Club? Nope. I was interested in the girl. What about this one? The demands on my life right now. Right now I have a lot going on and life is so demanding that uh, that's the reason that I'm not serving. Or number six, my hurts. You know what? I've been hurt. People have caused me pain and I'm just going to sit back. It doesn't work with God. That's not what we do in our family. My dad's hurt me, so I'm not gonna, not gonna have anything to do with my mom either. My first child broke my heart, so I'm not having any more children. Nope. We get hurt and we just keep right on because of our love. Uh, waiting on the Spirit to lead me. Boy, that sounds spiritual. Um, yes, I want to serve God. I am on fire for God. And I'm just waiting for the leading of the Spirit. What's the problem with that? Somebody tell me what the problem with that is. The Spirit's already spoken. That's what the problem with that is. The Spirit has already said, you're to obey leadership. If you're being asked by church leadership to do something, do it. Um, I would serve God, but look at my age. Problem with age is I've seen people in the Bible at seven called to be king, to be a part of God's theocratic rule, to rule under the instruction of God and over his people for the benefit of his kingdom. I see people 100 years plus still serving God in the Bible. So age is not an excuse. My job, my job is my number two job. My job is not my number one job. I work for a company called Westlake. They're looking for volunteers to go to West Virginia for about a month. You think I'm going to raise my hand and say, yeah, I'll go? Nope. 
If they say you have to go, my response is, I have to resign because I'm not going to do that because this is not my first priority. This is, uh, you know, my, my first priority is to obey Christ, to serve his kingdom. I'm the pastor of a church and I'm not going to just walk away from that because you need me somewhere. It's just not going to happen. My self-care. That's a relatively new phrase. Uh, people talk about self-care. I've got to take care of myself and need to pamper me and need to focus on me. And <laughs> I just don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I see just the opposite. That if you're having difficulty and you're going through depression and all that, uh, I think it's Isaiah 58 where God says, if you just focus on other people instead of focusing on you, that your depression will rise like, like, like the sunrise, basically. Uh, I, don't, I don't see this concept of self-care in the Bible at all. Instead, I find putting God first and others second and then your third, uh, yourself third. My Christian maturity level, I'm just not uh, there yet. I'm, I'm not seasoned enough. Um, problem with that is you find people, as soon as they get saved in the Bible, they start serving God. Where I live, you know, it's just not convenient. I live so far from the church. I think, uh, I think it's wonderful when people have to sacrifice to serve God. Um, worship that doesn't involve any kind of sacrifice is not worship. You know what the word worship is? It is worth-ship. In other words, we're showing God how much he's worth. There was a guy one time who told me that uh, he would... Uh, be interested in joining our church if we had an 8 o'clock service because that's convenient. And he can spend the rest of the day watching his football and stuff like that. And I said to him, if that's the reason you worship because it's convenient, that's not worship. If you live far from the church, what a nice offering that is to God. That you would make the sacrifice to drive that far. So, one last one, my, my physical health. I'd love to serve God. I'm just not healthy right now. I'm... I'm having physical difficulties, struggles with my health. What would you all say about that? What would you say about that?
Number one, you've got to look at the track record when they were healthy. Did they serve God then? Were they on fire then? Or has it now become just a convenient excuse? And here's the second thing. There's so much that we can do for Christ that doesn't require good physical health. There are people who don't have great health, but they sure do run good prayer networks, good prayer ministries. They don't have that physical energy to serve God, but they sure serve him well in the capacity that they can. They're still devoted to him. They're still vibrant in their faith. They're still filled with joy. They're still making a huge difference in the body of Christ because they have a prayer ministry. And that's just one example. When I was a new Christian, there was an elderly, feeble lady, um, probably in her 80s, 90s. And there wasn't a whole lot that she could do physically. But I loved this old saint. You know why? Because, talk about somebody who could counsel from the Word of God. Somebody who could encourage from the Word of God would just spend time with younger Christians and just help them on their way. She was a powerhouse, even though she was feeble. And so God calls his body to be an active body, a serving body, and uh, excuses just don't work with God. Any excuse that I can come up with, here's my biggest problem. Any excuse I can come up with, there's someone else who is in a more challenging situation than I am. That's the problem. They're in a more challenging situation and they're serving God just fine. They're working and they're making a difference. So we'll stop at this point. But I would like to entertain questions. Maybe I said something that seems like that doesn't quite sound right. Or maybe I said something and it's like, well, tell me more. Explain that. What do, you, what do you mean by that? What questions do we have? And if I don't know the answer, we have Brandon right here. What questions? How about a really hard one? What question? Okay. Would you all agree with me on this? That when we say, I have no question, what we are in effect saying is, I have complete clarity and I am completely accountable. 
before God. Would you all agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. 